Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. Okay, Romans 4. Um, coming to the end of Romans... And Paul has been just drilling home this point. Righteousness comes not through the law, but through faith in Christ. Wow, why does it take four chapters? Well, because it's something that's it's important. And as humans, we just kind of gravitate to my works should count for something. I'm not a bad person. I'm not as bad as this person. So how much more the Jewish mindset when they were the chosen of God? And Paul is just stripping away any sense of human merit when it comes to our salvation. Okay, There's nothing you can do. It's all of grace. It's what God has done through Christ. So let's uh, have a word of prayer. We're going to jump in and finish up chapter 4. Father, thank you for your grace in Christ alone. Thank you. God, for opening up our eyes one day, and uh, Lord, bringing us to a place to realize our need for salvation. We pray for those that are watching, that are listening, uh, that don't know you. Father, that they, whatever their thinking is in regards to what they have to do to be right with you, that you would just show them plainly, it's through Christ and what he's done. They cannot do anything to merit their salvation. So Lord, use your word to convict our hearts, realign our thinking with yours. In Christ's name, amen. So if we kind of do a quick little recap of where we were, or what we went through last time. Um, okay, all at once. Okay. Leah, did you? Okay. The promise of salvation was through faith in what God would do, right? Bottom line. The law doesn't justify anyone. If it did, then faith is not needed. Faith in what God did through Jesus Christ, right? Our goodness cannot achieve salvation because the standard is perfection. So remember, the law was given to Moses. The law was given to Moses for what reason? To show the Jewish people you can't keep it. (laughs) So they're boasting in the law. Moses gave us the law. Yes, to show you you can't keep it. The law was meant to be our schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ. It kept us in check, if you will. But our redemption did not come until Christ came and paid that price. The standards perfection, we all sin against God. And the last point, since we can't see, we're going to move on. So Romans 4, 18 to 25. Okay, that was all recap anyway, so you already knew that. Here we are. Notice again, Paul, remember last week he kind of pulled Abraham out as a testimony to the Jewish people? You guys are so, we're God's chosen. We have the law. To us, we're given the promises. Father Abraham, he's our father. We're descendants. So Paul was like, okay, let's talk about Abraham. Even Abraham was not justified through the law. Because Abraham was justified 
through faith in what God said way before the law was even given. So it's like, wow. Like You talk about breaking down an argument where somebody's holding on to the law or the fact that they're Jewish or the fact that we're the chosen of, of, of God. He pulls out Father Abraham who, obviously, they all appeal to the patriarch of the faith. And here he was counted righteous because of his faith in God, not because of keeping the law. Now, and still talking about Abraham. He's still talking about Abraham. In hope, that is, this is talking about Abraham, he believed against hope. What does that mean? In other words, he, he had this hope in what God said, and he believed against hope. In other words, human hope. If it, if it was based on human hope, nothing was going to happen. This descendant, this heir that, 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 that I'm being told that through my son, all the nations are going to be blessed, right? Isaac. Abraham believed that because God said, but it was against hope. It was against all human hope because the circumstances did not, did not match what God said. I think that's important to catch because we struggle with this. Okay? So that's what he means. In hope he believed, even though humanly it looked like it was impossible. Against all human hope is the idea. That he should become the father of many nations as he had been told and God said what? So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Humanly speaking, what God is saying cannot happen. But yet he still believed. He still had hope in what God said, despite what it looks like. Isn't that the struggle we have? <laughs> we know what God says in his word about, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. How about this verse? I will never allow you to go through a temptation for which you cannot escape. How many people are like, mm, yeah, I think there was one time one got through God. <laughs> right? Because humanly it's like, well, wait a minute. Abraham was given the promise that through Isaac, all the nations will be blessed. Through Isaac, ultimately, the lineage of Christ would come. But yet, Abraham has no kids, and he's too old, and his wife is too old. So what do you do with that? You have to choose, are you going to believe what God said, or are you going to believe the circumstances? That's what it comes down to. And here Paul says, Abraham believed, and he did not weaken in his trust in what God said. Even though it's not adding up. Okay? Now, it's a matter of faith. And I think it's important that we make this distinction. This was not a blind faith that Abraham had. A lot of times Christians are accused of having a blind faith. Abraham believed in God's promise in spite of the circumstances. He was looking at what God said versus, humanly, I don't see how God's going to do it. 
But here's the thing. It's an impossibility in Abraham's human mind for Sarah and I to have a child. It's just impossible. But you know what Abraham believed was more impossible than that? For God to lie. <laughs> That's why he had faith in God. Yep, this doesn't make any sense. No way, this is impossible. But what's more impossible than us having a child is for God to lie. Wow. He understood the character of God. He believed the character of God. And remember, go back in Genesis, you read 15, 16, 17, right, where, where God spoke with Abraham, met with Abraham. So Abraham didn't have some blind faith. There was a relationship. There was an, interac an interaction he had with God when God gave him the promise. And he said, I'm, I'm going to trust in that despite what I see. So it was not a blind faith, but a faith that rested in God's character. God can't lie. And, and, and listen, that kind of leaves this kind of gap, if you will. Here's what I mean. When I'm talking to somebody who's a true believer and they're going through a time and they say, I just can't handle this anymore. I'm talking about a true believer now. Okay? And what they're going through is real and it's hard and it's difficult. Here's what I say to them. I really come back to this. I don't come back to this text, but I come back to this point. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God cannot lie? They say, of course he can't lie. Then I turn to, there's no trial that has come upon you for which God will not give you the grace to bear under. I will strengthen you. I will give you the wisdom. So if, if, if you believe God does not lie, and then we look at what God says in his word, what, but I, it doesn't feel that way, it doesn't look that way, it feels like I'm sinking. Okay, but we have to look at what God says, right? Because if this trial in your life, I'm talking to a believer now, is going to take you out, and there is no way of escape, and by the way, escape doesn't mean that the trial ends. Escape means that he says what? I will give you what you need to bear up under it. There's a difference. Operate, operate, and God didn't release this out of my life. Well, you need to speak it into the atmosphere. No, you don't. You need to bear under that trial. The idea is this is heavy. I don't want to lift it. I don't like lifting this keyboard because it's heavy. It's very heavy. And I say, God, I need you to help me to bear this keyboard. He doesn't say, well, just don't lift it. No, you're going to have to lift it. It's part of life. It's something that's coming into your life. And it's going to strengthen your faith. and strength. But I'm going to give you help. And so Bill comes along and helps me lift this keyboard. Or Leah helps me lift this. Do I still want to carry it even with help? No, because it's a heavy keyboard. <laughs> but God has given me now the grace, the help to bear it. Do you see the difference? Okay? I just happen to use this keyboard because it's right here. It's a great, great analogy, right? Point taken. But we, 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 we would much rather say what? God, I don't want to lift that. Can we go get a little Yamaha PSR4 that only weighs 10 pounds? 
Wouldn't that be easier, Lord? She says, no, no. What did James said? Our trials come into our life to do what? To strengthen your faith. To refine your faith. To burn off the dross. Right? The impurities of your faith. That's why James said what when it came to trials? Count it all joy. Wow. Count it all joy, Ron. Not that you get to lift this big, heavy keyboard down three flights of steps. Don't, I'm not, don't count that all joy. That's not what he's saying. Count it all joy and what that's going to produce in you, in your character. Wow. See, again, when you, know, you hear these preachers talking about health, wealth, and prosperity, that is not what God promises. God promises, I'll give you what you need. I'll strengthen your faith in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the suffering. Right? That's why Peter says what? Don't think it a strange thing when these fiery trials come into your life. Wow. Go look at the context of Peter, what they were going through. Don't think it a, like, don't think it's strange. Then he goes on and Peter says, for to this you were called. Just as Christ suffered, we're going to suffer. But God does not leave us alone. Abraham is trusting and believing in God's character that God cannot lie. So if God can't lie, and God is saying that through my son will be an heir, will be blessings to all nations, then you know what? I don't know how he's going to do it. It doesn't make any human sense, but I know he can't lie. That's what I'm believing in. Abraham was not believing in the circumstance of Sarah being old and him being old. That's not what he was believing in. That doesn't add up. I'm believing in the fact that God can't lie. So his faith was a trust in God. And guys, listen, there's a difference between someone saying, I believe in God versus believing God. There's a big difference. Satan believes in God. Right? It's one thing to say, believe in God. Well, the demons believe in God. But believing God, that's different. That's putting your trust in Him. I'm putting my trust in who God is. I'm putting my trust in in the fact of God's character. That's what I'm holding on to. Yeah, but look, everything else is falling apart. I know. But he said he would not allow anything to come to my life which I can't handle. I'm trusting in that, even though it looks like this. That's hard. That's hard. It was interesting when I was talking to this person who had this, again, devastating stuff happening in their life, and they said, well, Ron, I just, I don't know how to answer your question. Because I asked him, do you believe God can lie? He says, no, I don't believe that. Well, God said he wouldn't allow this to, to take you out. He said, I'm sorry, but I'm being taken out by it. Okay, well, now we got a problem. Because if you're being taken out by this trial, then that means God's a liar. So what do you really believe? He said, okay, I know God doesn't lie, but then why am I being taken out? Well, wait, did you just hear what you just said? <laughs> if God said the trial will not take you out, but he will help you bear up under it, and you're saying that's not happening, then you're saying God is a liar. Guys, it can't be both ways. It can't be both ways. And oftentimes we look at the human reality of things, and we say, well, where's God in this? Well, then why is this happening? Right? we got to be careful that we're not making a mistake that God is in it if I don't have to carry the heavy keyboard. Because God doesn't promise that. 
Now it's interesting as we begin to talk a couple weeks of counseling, that giving you the strength that you might be able to bear up when you read the rest of scripture, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. That doesn't happen and just it just happens. And I begin to learn that this brother stopped fellowshipping with the saints of God for months. Really hadn't picked up his Bible. Really doesn't have much of a prayer life. I'm like, bro, you, you realize this is, these are the means to which you are strengthened in the inner man. This is not something that just happens automatically. So he started to realize that there's stuff that you ought to be doing that you might access, if you will, the grace of God, the encouragement of God. And the body of believers is a big part of that, right? Why does God tell the local church, those believers, things like encourage one another, pray for one another, confess your faults to one another? I look at this brother and I said, you got that in your life? He's like, no. I said, well, no wonder you're sinking underneath it. You're a lone ranger trying to deal with this. That's not the way God designed it. So after a number of weeks, he came back around to the conclusion that no, God does not lie. And I need to do the things that I need to do that I might experience and, and, and get the means of grace that I need through the ways that God said, prayer, fellowship of the saints, and reading in the word. And that brother's life has not changed to this day. Some of those circumstances are still there, but his whole perception is different. So, Abraham understood this. No unbelief. In other words, what was unbelievable in human terms, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Wow. That's powerful. But rather, he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And it, this, this is a packed little phrase as he gave glory to God as he not not just trusted in some intellectual way but understanding the nature and the character of God worshiping God just lifting God up giving God the praise I mean he understood listen my faith grew stronger as he's focusing on what who God is in all of his being in the midst of what looked to be an unbelievable circumstance his faith got stronger and stronger and stronger that's amazing only God can do that through his Holy Spirit in us fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised you can look at the circumstances, and the circumstances will just get you way off of the shoreline, or you can keep your focus on the person of God, who God is, what God can do. Is anything too hard for God? I love the psalm that talks about he who made the eye, does he not see? He who made the ear, does he not hear? 
I just stop and think about that. Like, you, you think God doesn't know all things? I, I know we say that. Well, God knows all things. God's all powerful. But then when we get into our situation, all of a sudden our faith is tried. And we start looking at it humanly rather than keeping our focus on who God is. So he was fully convinced God was able to do it. This used to be a statement. Remember this statement, Monique, from Westside Baptist Church? Mm -hmm. Take God at his word and trust him for the outcome. We had that at, in our church back in West Village. I don't know who came up with that, but that really, that really summarizes the whole thing. Take God at his word and trust him for the outcomes. Even when the outcomes don't look like God, like, do you see what's happening here, God? Yeah, he knows. He knows. This is, this is the faith that Abraham had. For when God made a promise, Hebrews 6, listen to what Hebrews says in, in, about God. For when God made a promise to Abraham, right? Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. I love that. <laughs> I love that verse. God, Abraham, I'm going to really do this. God, but how do I know? Okay, you know what? Hmm. There's nobody greater than me. I'll swear by myself. <laughs> and that's when he cuts the animals and he walks between the animals making that covenant, right? Saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, here it is, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Did he obtain the promise because he waited for it? No. No. He obtained the promise because God said, I'm going to do it. But what did it require on his part? He had to patiently wait for God's timing for Isaac to come. Of course, they jumped the gun with Hagar and all of that, right? But Abraham believed God and he patiently waited. And guys, that's what we're going to have to do at times. Because I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why God is allowing this circumstance to just stay in my Like, God, you can move it. Like, move it. Okay, and that's where you... Look, if you, if you start trying to humanly understand why some of this stuff is happening, you'll just start boring down into depression and anxiety and maybe even fear. It's okay to say, I don't know why God's allowing this, but here's what I do know. I'm not trying to figure all that out. Here's what I do know. God does not lie. I know God loves me. He sent Christ. <laughs> I know he is dwelling within me, and I know ultimately he's using all things to make me more like his dear son. And I'm going to rest in that. And he'll give me the grace to deal with this thing over here. This is what Abraham learned. Back to Romans. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Because he believed in God. He believed what God said. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. I love this. But for our sake also. <laughs> So Paul, as he's writing to them, this is not just about Abraham and his relationship with God and the Savior coming and being promised and Isaac and all of that. This is written for our sake now, for you and I. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, 
who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I love that. What did he say? Abraham gets righteousness from God the same way we do. Faith in what God has said, what God has done. This is written for our account too. And notice 25, he was delivered up for our trespasses. He was crucified for our sins, but it didn't stop there. But then he was raised up for our justification. And again, always remember when Christ came to die on a cross, we don't just stop at the death of Christ. If he would have just died on the cross, that would not have been enough. A lot of people died on the cross. But he died, but then he was raised, authenticating that the price was paid, that the deal was done, that God accepted the payment. It wasn't enough for him to die, but he had a raise also. So Paul says later, what, in 1 Corinthians 15, if he didn't get up out of that grave, your faith is nothing. You're, you're still dead in your sins. If he did not get up out of that grave. It's not just the death of Christ, but it's the resurrection. So the perfect life that he lived, that you can't live, because he lived it, and then he died in your place, God now gives us redemption, but he justifies us. As if I lived a perfect life. I can't live a perfect life. Yeah, but Christ did. I'm going to take the righteousness of Christ and give it to you. Wow, that's grace. That's salvation. That's why you can't do anything. The minute you try to add to it, that's a slap in the face of what happened on that cross. The minute you try to add works, well, then you need to do this. That is a slap in the face to what happened on that cross. And this is why it said, what? It's not of works. None of us can boast. It's not of works. It's what Christ has done. So Abraham believed. He believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness for believing in what God said. And then we see our own faith. We will be counted as righteous to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead, who died and was raised for our justification. So think about it. Salvation has always been through faith in what God has said. Always. From Genesis all the way through the New Testament. It's faith in what God has said, what God has done. Our trust in God can exist alongside our doubts. You know, the Christian that walks around and says, I have absolutely no doubts. Well, praise God for you. I'm not there yet. But you can still fully trust in the character of who God is. And yet when you look at the circumstances, there's doubt. God, I don't understand what he's doing. From, from my human perspective, I don't get it, Lord. I don't get it. But you know what? I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in your character. I'm trusting in the fact that God cannot lie. And what you said in your word, you will do. And you'll feel that tension at times between deep down in your heart, you really believe in God, but you're looking at the circumstance. And 
and you're doubting. Who was it in the New Testament? Can't think of where the passage is where I believe it was Jesus asked him, Do you believe? And he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. You mean you can have those two functioning at the same time? I believe, yes, you can. I believe, <laughs> how I don't believe, right? Our trust will grow as our understanding of who God is grows. And I think that is so important because we live in a world where bad things are going to continue to happen. Jesus said, it will be a wickeder and wickeder generation. It, it, like it, the love of many will grow cold. I mean, look at the headlines, right? Doesn't look like the world is getting better, <laughs> especially when the world says there is no God. You're God. You determine reality. You do it. Okay, so the believer who's truly going to live for Christ is going to start butting up against a culture that is anti-God. If that's not going to cause some type of trial in our life, then either you're not standing up for your faith or you're a closet Christian. It's going to happen. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like. You talk to our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. You see what it looks like for them, death. What's it going to look like for us? We don't know. We don't know what, what, what things God, are, God is going to allow to come into our lives. But listen. If, if our trust is going to grow in God, then you got to focus on who God is. Focus on who God is. The character of God. Who he is. This is what the psalm writers often did in the midst of persecutions, in the midst of sufferings. You see the psalm writers pouring out their hearts. But then they remembered God. I remembered when you delivered us. I remember when you did this. I re you, you're going to have to do that. Or you're going to be swept away by this culture and the things that are coming down the pipe. And I believe this is what Abraham did when he talked about he trusted God as he focused on the glory of God. We begin to understand who God is and his character doesn't mean our problems are going to go away, but you can hold on to God when everything going on in your life is telling you just to let go and give up. You can see, no, I, I know too much about my God. And get to the place where Paul said, what? For me to live is Christ. And if I die, it's my gain. Wow. I believe God is taking every believer down the road to get to that point. I don't believe that was something exclusive for the Apostle Paul. I believe that's where God wants to bring every believer. For me to live, it's all about Christ. But if I die, it's going to be my gain. The circumstances are not going to get my trust off of God. Amen? And then trust needs to stay focused in who God is rather than what we experience or see. And that's hard, because we live in a real world. This keyboard is heavy. It ain't getting any lighter. It's here, it's reality. Gotta deal with it every week, okay? <laughs> I need to stay focused on who God is 
So every week God will provide that I can bear up underneath there. Can God choose to remove the keyboard? Remove the burden? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Should we pray that God removes the burden? Is it wrong to pray? Remove the burden, Lord. No, Paul did. Prayed three times. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. There are going to be some times where God says no. Because it's not just about your release of trials. It's, it's not just about your comfort. God says, I'm doing something bigger than that. I'm conforming you into the image of my dear son. And that's where we just go, okay, God. You're going to let this stay in my life? Okay. Then will you give me the grace to deal with it? And he will. And now you also have to access and realize the means through which God works. The word, the prayer, the fellowship of the saints, accountability, right? So our trust can stay focused on who God is so that we don't start just looking at the experience because that will cause you despair. Father, thank you for this example of Abraham's faith and God you said this was written down for our sakes so God that we can know and be reminded that it's through our faith in you God that causes us to be righteous our faith in what you have said what you have done through Jesus Christ and so God we have no confidence in the flesh but rather in what you have accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ. So God, I thank you for that salvation. And I pray for all of us, God, no matter what comes this week in our lives, that we would trust in you, not our circumstances. God, help us to not allow our circumstances to dictate our love, our trust in you. God, you are working all things together for our good, but that good is our conformity to Christ. So God, help us to rest in who you are. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the Word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.